Um, our Bible reading this morning is from various verses from Luke chapter 3 and Luke chapter 4. I'm not going to stop to break them up. I'm just going to read right through. So God's word says, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And he was praying, as, and as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Amen. Let me pray and then we'll delve into these uh, short passages of scripture together. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word that is living and vibrant, that uh, inspires us and leads us to a greater understanding of who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, as we follow you, may we be inspired uh, in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this morning... In this moment where two or three are gathered, people of great faith, years of following Jesus, baptized many years ago, and others for whom are not baptized or have a faith the size of a mustard seed, not even perhaps followers just yet. But we are together as your people. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you hover in this church like you did over the forming of creation. Create in us a new heart after your own heart, O Lord. Amen. This sermon series, The Way of Jesus, began last week with Peter sharing uh, from uh, uh, an earlier part of Luke's Gospel. We're going to go through Luke's Gospel together and uh, sorry, you might not be able to see that very clearly, but um, last week Peter was sharing about Jesus uh, and God's salvation from uh, 
uh, from John the Baptist as he proclaimed about Jesus coming. And today I'm going to share about Jesus and the leading of the Spirit. But we, we're going to go through March and April together in this season of Lent towards Easter, um, focusing upon the life of Jesus, the way of Jesus. Uh, and uh, today, as I say, is about the, the leading of the Holy Spirit. Question, when was the last time you were really surprised by something or someone? When was the last moment that something or someone shocked you? Um, you didn't quite realise this was going to happen, or you didn't realise they were going to say that thing. When was the last time you were shocked? Well, perhaps you weren't shocked by the snow that came this week, and we were prepared for it. And uh, as quickly as it came, and it lingered on Friday as well, and some of us had a snow day, which meant staying at home, and Others of us had to go to work, and uh, some people love snow, and some people really don't like snow at all. Um, but this morning, when I opened the curtains, it was as if the snow had never been, and the sun was shining. The snow was not really a surprise. We were warned by those uh, meteorologists, oh, I got that word out right, uh, the weather friends, and uh, there was no shock about the snow. But I was shocked on Monday morning. My parents, um, they travelled from Cambridge uh, to be with us on Sunday night. Uh, they're in their early 80s, uh, so it was a quite a, a trip for them to come from Cambridge, but they, they got here and, and they said, for your 50th, I'll, we'll take you out for a breakfast on Monday morning. And uh, I was like, oh, what do I say here? Because I knew the staff team had organised a breakfast on Monday morning. So I sort of said, yes, I'll have my second breakfast Monday morning. And if you know me well, that's no shock, you know, to have two breakfasts, certainly English breakfasts. Well, we're there in Desco Lounge. And uh, my mum going, oh, this is amazing, wonderful. I'm saying, yeah, well, most people at SBC know this. It's their second home. Uh, or maybe it's not. Maybe you've never been to Desco Lounge. How many of you have been to Desco Lounge? Put your hands up if you've been to Desco Lounge. Oh, okay. So more than the church members meeting attendance. That's good. Uh, so uh, we're there at Desco Lounge. Order a fry up. Never going to go anything else. And uh, the person who came and uh, got us food and so forth, we struck up a bit of a conversation. Well, my parents did, actually. And... Uh, the conversation ensued in such a way that it shocked me. Because the waiter at Desco Lounge said this, after I said that I, I'm minister of the church, just down the road, Baptist Church. She said, let's do stuff together. Desco Lounge and the Baptist Church, we can do stuff together for the good of the community. And so I'm going to meet the staff of Desco Lounge next week. And we're going to plan together. <laughs> that was surprising for me. That was the last moment of being really wowed and surprised, apart from the amazing presents my wife got me for my birthday. <laughs> that aside, this was a shocking conversation. Brilliant. Loved it. They are asking us to do community stuff. They're leading us. <laughs> How good is that? Well, 
These three passages that Morag read to us are all about surprising moments, things that shock, but we read the Gospels in such a way that sometimes we get so immune to it, the Gospel never shocks us or surprises us anymore. But there are three real surprises. John is surprised that Jesus wants to be baptised. I mean, he even says in, in Matthew's Gospel, I'm unworthy to uh, tie your sandals, your laces. You know, you are worthy, Jesus, I'm unworthy. The people I call to baptism are unworthy. They're repenting from sin. They're turning from one way of life to another. They need to be baptised, be washed clean, to be put right before God. Jesus, you say you want to be baptised. What's that about? You have no sin. I'm surprised by the request that you want me to baptise you. Jesus is in solidarity with all who sin. And I'll speak about that in a deeper way next week. I mean, solidarity has been a word in the press over the last two days. Gary Lineker, Shearer, Alex Scott. Everyone recognise what I'm talking about here? Solidarity is a big word in this week. John the Baptist was surprised by the solidarity of Jesus for all who are in need of repentance. There's also a surprise where the Holy Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. You know that wilderness experience, we often think it's about the devil just tempting Jesus, but actually the Holy Spirit has led Jesus into that wilderness experience. That's a surprise. We often think the Holy Spirit is about leading us into goodness and comfort and light and joyous moments, but the Spirit leads Jesus into wilderness. When were you last led by God into tough moments? Then there's a third aspect of surprise. It's on the faces of the crowd when Jesus unfurls the scroll of an Isaiah 61 written 700 years beforehand and talking about giving sight to the blind and getting the oppressed free and the prisoners liberated. And Jesus says, in your hearing, this is being fulfilled, i.e. through me. And the faces of the crowd are stunned, jaw-dropping moment. What, now? This moment? You, Jesus? Can anything good come from Galilee? You're a carpenter's son. Quite handy at woodwork at that. But you're not going to be able to liberate all people, surely. There is shock and surprise in all of this. And the reason, the connection between this surprise is the role, the work, the love, the leadership of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life. <laughs> the Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism. Oh, how I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to come on Easter Sunday. The Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness. I've got to confess, I don't pray for my own leading into wilderness, nor yours. <laughs> but maybe we should. <laughs> the Spirit empowered the ministry of Jesus as he proclaimed good news. The Spirit is the connecting factor of the element of surprise. And dare I say it, the Spirit was at work over a fry-up with my parents. Not in my life or my Christian parents' life, but perhaps in the life of the waiter 
at Desco Lounge. Wow, that is surprising. Never go to Desco Lounge ordering food or a drink and not expecting the spirit to turn up. We're witnessing a surprising work of the Spirit. This is the title of an article written by a theological professor at Asbury University following the 8th of February 2023, near, we sung this phrase, near revival. <laughs> Anyone ever heard of Asbury University, Kentucky? Put your hand up if you have. A few of you. I want to share a little bit about that this morning. Because the professor of theology goes on to say, most Wednesday mornings at Asbury University are like any other Wednesday. A few minutes before 10, students begin to gather in Hughes Auditorium for chapel. Students are required to attend a certain number of chapels each semester, so they tend to show up as a matter of routine. Anyone here at university, you need to turn up to your lectures as a matter of routine. But this particular Wednesday was different. After the benediction, the blessing, and the gospel choir began to sing a final chorus, something began to happen that defies an easy description. Students did not leave that 10 a.m. chapel. They were struck by what seemed to be a quiet but powerful sense of transcendence, and they did not want to go. They stayed and they continued to worship. They are still there. The 8th of February. This theological professor then said, I teach theology across the street from Asbury University. And when I heard of what was happening, I immediately decided to go to the chapel to check it out for myself. And when I arrived, hundreds and hundreds of students were singing quietly. They were praising and they were earnestly praying for themselves and for their neighbours and the world they live in. They were expressing repentance and a, a contrite heart for their own sin and they were interceding for healing, wholeness, peace and justice. Some in that chapel that continued to worship and to praise and to pray, some were reading scripture on their own. Others were standing with their arms raised up in praise. Several were clustered in small groups praying together. A few were kneeling at the altar in the front of the auditorium. Some, this is weird, were lying prostrate while others were talking to one another, their faces bright with joy. They were worshipping when I left late afternoon, and when I came back in the evening, they were still worshipping. They were still worshipping when I arrived on Thursday morning, 24 hours later, and by mid-morning, hundreds were filled in the auditorium again. I've seen multiple students running to worship. <laughs> that's, that's strange. Running with eager anticipation to worship. By Thursday evening, there was standing room only. 
Students began to arrive from other universities. They wor- the worship continued throughout all day Friday, all day Saturday, and all through the night. The professor said he had a hard time finding a seat. By evening, the building was packed beyond capacity. Every night, some students and others stayed in the chapel to pray, to pray through the night. And as of Sunday evening, the auditorium had no sign of slowing down. However, the university was shut. (laughs) Imagine, just imagine that this service at 10 a.m. never stopped. And you're probably thinking, I hope it does. (laughs) Imagine if you ran with eager anticipation to worship. And you even shoved someone out of the way to get through the door. Imagine if you weren't eager for your tea or coffee afterwards, but you lingered prostrate. No, that's a bit too far. But you lingered to pray with someone sitting next to you because they need it. Imagine if you worshipped with arms up high for the first time ever and you were not embarrassed what other people thought. I think, I just think the element of surprise might capture us. (laughs) The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus at his baptism. The Holy Spirit turned up and descended upon those few tens of students in that small chapel. And something surprising happened. The question I have is this, should we be concerned? I mean, that's what the auditorium looked like, right there on the screen. Have a look, what's going on? Spontaneity, spirit-filled, surprise. One thing it doesn't look is dull. (laughs) It just doesn't look dull. But, should we be concerned? Rob Parsons, um, who is the head of Care for the Family, said this, when it comes to God, it's probably better to be gullible than (laughs) sceptical. Quite like that. When it comes to God, it's probably better to be gullible than sceptical. But still, there are some concerns, perhaps. Is it just simply embarrassing evangelical behavior? I mean, if if one of you came and knelt down right at the front here this morning, would that be just wholly embarrassing? (laughs) It's not the norm. We don't quite do that kind of stuff here. (laughs) Or maybe there's another issue that we have It excludes moral seriousness. Revivals can can sometimes, in the early stages, lack moral seriousness. And then when you hear the word revival, perhaps you've got this sort of, you know, white-suited preacher asking for money. And there's an image of revival that really can be very poor. Or is there just simply emotional manipulation? Now, this is perhaps the sticky one. 
The example of Asprey, is it like emotional manipulation? Participants kept up in a, in a swathe of charismatic, which could be considered to be artificial and not artificial intelligence. Designed to induce the chill of bumps on arms, you know, the, the, the response which is so emotional. Is it manipulative? As one person said, any evangelical church musician knows if you hit the right chord at just the right moment, you're guaranteed more hands in the air. Ching, ching. Is that right, Rob? I don't know. You know, is this, is this, is this manipulation? Hmm. I am sceptical. I'm cautious. I have questions, actually. But at the same time, what has come through this story of the surprising work of the Spirit is this. Simplicity. Apparently in that chapel, the worship was not very good. (laughs) Apparently in that chapel, the preaching was dire. I mean, the theological professor assessing the preaching said it was one of the worst. And yet God showed up. There was no PowerPoint. There were no lights. I'm sorry, there were no drums. There was just an acoustic. But God showed up. Last week, after church... 22 people were in Kairos, and they're the people that pray on Sunday mornings here in the church. And they gathered together, and we had a conversation about what is it that we're doing on a Sunday? Why are we offering prayer on a Sunday? What's the point of doing this? Is it worth it? Why are we seeking to offer ministry to folk? And these words on the screen came up. People said it's a privilege, or they're encouraged, or they're hopeful, or it's inspirational, or it's actually vulnerable. Um, It's energizing, it's God-led, it's about spiritual warfare, It's, um, it's about reliance upon God, it's about timing, meaning lingering in God's presence, it's humbling, but there was also this word sensational. Someone described offering prayer at SBC as sensational, what a word. But what's going on at Asprey and also what is spirit-led is simple as well. It's simply profound. There's no celebrities, no egos, no lighting, no grand worship band, no showcasing, no social media. Instead, simple, peaceful, calm, humble Not perfect worship. The vision in Luke 3 and 4 and at Asbury. And the vision of SPC, I don't know whether it's this, but it's my heart, is not revival but Jesus.
It's the reviver. For when we have a heart for Jesus, a longing for Jesus, patterning our lives on the pattern of Jesus, new things happen. Surprising conversations emerge. Being unashamed of the gospel is what it's about. (laughs) Whether hands are lifted up, whether streams of people come forward, whether people rush into the sanctuary, whether people don't go for tea and coffee but stay lingering, it doesn't really matter. But a church on fire for the good things of God is because of the reviver of Jesus himself. As someone said when reflecting on Asprey, it's this, I long to sing with others. I long to be open-hearted. I long to trust something for once. I long to be unselfconscious in my devotion to God. I long to witness for something real. I long for humility and simplicity. Maybe, they said, revival isn't about my own understanding as an outsider towards Asprey. Instead, it's about meeting God in the here and now. But take away the skepticism. Help me to be open to the things of God. Is it only students only? Because this is a student-led movement. But Rich Wilson, who is the head of Fusion, he's in his 50s, but head of a student ministry called Fusion, said this. He believes that what God is doing at Asbury is an invitation, a sign, and an alarm call to all of us, especially those to the second half of life. I've just turned 50, the second half of life I'm entering into, if I live to 100. Mid-life. This is a challenge to us in mid-life. The students are leading us on. It's a clarion call, a sign, a challenge, an invitation to let rip and say, God, have your way. It's time to prioritize the work of Christ in us in the second half of life, which is probably about 40 plus. Claire just turned 40. This is about you, Claire, not about me. This is God at work in all of our ages, young and old, male and female, rich and poor, Nigerian and B90 people. This is the Spirit of God who invites us to journey in patterning our life on the pattern of Jesus. And I think SBC might just need a wake-up call. Not towards manipulation (laughs) or sensationalism or revival, but to Christ in all his glory. That's the vision. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us today. This Lent, seek God and live, which comes right out of Amos, the prophet Amos. 
This Lent, spur one another on towards love, which comes right out of our verse for the year in Hebrews. This Lent, be courageous in confession, which comes right out of the pattern of baptism. This Lent, may you discover the Holy Spirit in the second half of life. This Lent prioritised the life of Christ again. Just going to take a moment to be still and to reflect. And the band will lead us on in a moment. And... And I'm going to invite, as we're in this moment of stillness, the prayer intercessors to come and take their place, both here at the front or at the back. And as we respond in worship and in praise, I do invite you to to seek God and live in prayer ministry. I'm going to sit at the front here too and if you want to come and pray with me then please do. If you'd rather as we worship together as a response to what we've heard this morning if you'd rather just just sit where you are and be still and know that God is here then please do. If you want to lift up holy hands and be like those students do. Do. I'm not suggesting we stay here for 24 hours. But I am suggesting we are surprised by God this morning. I am suggesting an openness to the Holy Spirit as we seek to follow the life of Jesus. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in his baptism. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus as he opened up the scriptures. Maybe you just want to sit where you are with a Bible on your lap or on your phone and start to read scripture. This is a time for God's spirit to be among us in simplicity and in truth. You may just want to pray next to the person that you're sitting by and say, not prayed with you for a long time, been married to you for 50 plus years. Forget the second part of life, I'm in the fourth part of life. But I just want to pray with you. (laughs) We've not prayed together for years. Been family, living together, but never prayed together. Maybe you want to do that. This is your time. It's our time. Consuming fire.